0: If you have your worship folder in your worship folder, a little bit different. In the last couple of weeks, we've been putting the outline in the worship folder. The outline today, because today is really important, like every Sunday, it's front and back. So because we couldn't fit it in there, what we do have in there is... For a small group discussion or you just need more, you're going to discuss this with somebody, talk with some other people about it. There's some guidelines in there for doing that. But inside that bulletin is an outline with some verses. And um, I would recommend if you have one to take notes because there's some pretty... Um, today, is, today is big, in, in my opinion. We, had, we finished up a series a week ago um, called Moving Past Your Past. It's such a big deal for all of us. We have this stuff in our past. We talked about the labels that we have because from us, from other people, these labels they've given us and how it affects who we are and what we do. We talked about just breaking those labels that bind us. We talked about forgiving those who have hurt us. We talked about apologizing when we're the ones who have done the hurting. We talked about the final week was about failures because we've all had them. What do we do with those failures from the past? If you are new here, if you didn't listen to those, it's all online, um, iTunes or iloveourchurch.com or journeynorthchurch.com. You'll notice the websites are just stupid right now, but they have all the information on them. We're getting them tweaked for Easter, but right now it's just bare minimum information, but you will be able to listen to the messages online if you go there. Um, Moving past our past, one of the things about that is we understand You can't choose your past. It is what it is. But here's the thing. You can choose your future. The problem is we get stuck in the past. That's why we did that series. Because we need to be able to move past that. We need to be able to break free from that. But we want a better future. So a lot of people... We're starting a series on choosing your future because I, that's what I believe happens. You choose your future. Somebody says, um, I'd like to be here in, in two years or five years or ten years, and I'll look at what they're doing now and the choices they're making, and sometimes I have to say, you ain't going to be there. I can tell you where you're going to be, and you're not going to like it because of the choices you're making right now. So we're going to talk about how do you choose the future that's the best. And we're going to look today at something that is kind of a groundwork for it, extremely important. It's about values. Because it's, it's only the right values that are going to give you the future you want. That's, that's where we're going today with this. See, many, pa- many people mistakenly think that, you know, we, we talk about this all the time. God designed you for a purpose. He designed a, a purpose for your life before you were born. And too many people, they hear that, and that means to them that every detail of their life is preset, you have no choice in the matter, and it's just whatever is, is, that's what happens. And it, that could not be further from the truth. The Bible teaches the exact opposite of that. Repeatedly, the Bible tells us God will not force you into that incredible plan and purpose that He has for your life, it's not automatic. God wants you to choose it. He gives you the freedom to accept or reject His will. He gives you the freedom to obey or disobey His directions. He gives you the freedom to follow or ignore His great plan for your life. See, here's the thing. You can miss God's plan for your life. It's your choice. When Moses freed Moses, the, the nation of Israel, the Jews, from 400 years of slavery in Egypt. God promised to give them an incredible and amazing future in a place God called the promised land. Just those words, doesn't that sound good? I want to go, the promised land. But the good plans that God designed for his people, they would only happen if they made the right choices. God says the same thing about you and your future. In Deuteronomy 30, this story that about Moses and them, here's what it says in Deuteronomy 30. Starting in verse 15, today, today I'm giving you a choice. You can choose life and success or death and disaster. I think that's funny. Because given that choice, it's like, oh, I want death and disaster. You know, unless you're going to an action movie, you don't want death and disaster. You want life and success. The problem is there are so many of you here today that if we sat down and talked and you told me the choices that you were making, I'd say, you realize you're choosing death and disaster. But you have a choice, he says. Choose life and success or death and disaster. I am commanding you, he says, to love the Lord your God, to live the way He told you and to obey His laws and teachings. You're about to cross the Jordan River and take the land that He's giving you. If you obey Him, you will live. You'll become successful and powerful. The next verse, unfortunately, starts with that word that we all hate to see. But. Verse 17. But if you disobey refuse to listen, are led away to worship other gods. And that doesn't just mean, you know, carved idols on your mantle. It can be a hundred different things that you choose to be a god. That's basically anything you put over God. He says, if you choose that to worship other gods, you'll be destroyed. You will not live long in that land across the Jordan that you're about to occupy. I am now giving you the choice He says, you have a choice between life and death, between blessing and curse, and I will call heaven and earth to witness the choice you make. So he pleads with them just like I plead with you, choose life. It's a choice. One of the greatest gifts we have is the power to choose. And unfortunately, we often waste that power. Because we make poor choices. We have the power and we waste it. You see, what happens to you in life, so many people just get ground up and lost there. That's why we did that series on moving past your past because, oh, you know what's happened to me. You see, what happens to you in life is nowhere near as important as how you respond to it and the decisions that you make. Because you can't always change what happens to you, but you can change how you respond to it. And the decisions that you make. Because choices matter more than circumstances. Did you hear that? Choices matter more than circumstances. You make your choices, then they make you. That's how it works. Long before God gave these people a choice that we just read about, their leader, Moses, had to make some tough choices. And that's really the same for any leader. If you want to be a leader... You have to be willing to make difficult choices before anyone else. You have to be willing to do that. Moses, probably the greatest leader in the Old Testament. Moses freed a nation, millions, from over 400 years of slavery. Moses was the one that God chose to give the Ten Commandments to. Moses wrote the first five books of the Bible. Why did God use Moses? You know why? Because of four life-shaping choices that he made. That's why God chose Moses. In Hebrews 11, we call it the Faith Hall of Fame. It talks about all these people who have done these things by faith. And the story of Moses is in Hebrews 11, and it says this. By faith, Moses' parents hid him for three months after he was born. Remember, Pharaoh was going to kill all the babies. And all the male babies. And, and it says, his parents hid him for three months after he was born because they saw he was no ordinary child. And they were not afraid of the king's edict. They could have been caught doing that and they would have been killed. And you remember, we're not going to get into the story today, but um, uh, Pharaoh's daughter actually found Moses floating and ended up raising him. But the parents, it says, hid him for three months after he was born because he was no ordinary child. By faith, next verse, Moses, when he had grown up... "'refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. "'He chose to be mistreated along with the people of God "'rather than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a short time. "'He regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ "'as of greater value than the treasures of Egypt "'because he was looking ahead to his reward. "'By faith he left Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. "'He persevered because he saw him who is invisible.'" Notice the order, the way this happens here. The first thing is that God chooses Moses. He said he's no ordinary child, special baby here. God chose him. The next thing that happens is Moses' parents make the choices for Moses as a child. He's a baby. They hid him. Okay, They disobeyed the law. But finally, Moses has to make some choices. And your outline in that verse circled the phrase, when he had grown up. That's huge. As a baby, it's okay for Moses to live off his parents' faith. As a baby, he doesn't have that choice yet. As a little baby they're gonna put in a basket and float out in the Nile, you know. But now he's grown up. Now there's maturity. And when there's maturity, you can make the right choices. And I have a feeling that there's some here today that it's time to grow up it's time to grow up and make the right choices Moses made four choices you can even in your passage or on your outline circle those verbs he refused he chose he regarded and he persevered those are the four things he did these are not insignificant choices they are life-shaping choices And we're just going to look real briefly at these, just a little more detail so that you can get them. Here's the first life-shaping choice to make in order to get the future that you want. Number one, refuse to be defined by others. If you're taking notes, that's the first one. Refuse to be defined by others. God didn't create you to be what someone else wants you to be. We sang about that. It's what God says you are. In Hebrews eleven twenty four. we saw this. It says, By faith Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. This is a big deal. Here's what happened to Moses. He had an identity crisis. He was born a Hebrew slave, but he was raised as an Egyptian in the royal palace. And he came to a point in his life where he had to decide, Who am I? we all come to the point in our life where we have to decide, who am I? We have to make the choice for him. That choice would greatly affect the rest of his life. He had two choices. He could pretend, continue to pretend to be Pharaoh's grandson. And all the fame and fortune and luxurious lifestyle and prestige that went with it would be his. Or he could admit that's not who he was. He was Jewish. He would be humiliated. He would be thrown out of the palace. He would live a life of slave labor for the rest of his life. So let me ask you this. Don't answer out loud. What would you do? Too many people give the church answer. Well, Jews like Moses. It's like, yeah, right. You <laughs> could live in the palace with Pharaoh and have everything. Moses refused to live a lie. He was a person of integrity. And he said, as, as nice as that sounds, as much as I've enjoyed that, that's a lie. It says he refused. The, the word are oh my! Here's what it means. It means to reflect on something and then disown it. He thought about it. He reflected on it. And then he disowned it, which means there's no going back. It wasn't something he could decide, and when it didn't turn out, we'll go, oh, I think I'll do this other thing now. There was no going back on this. He insisted on being what God made him to be. So the question is, who are you letting define your identity? Is it the culture around you? Are you letting them define your identity? Is it your friends Or your social media friends, you know. I have 800 friends. (laughs) No, you don't. (laughs) Sorry to burst your bubble, but are you allowing them to define your identity? Are you allowing the competition to? Are you allowing a spouse to? Are you allowing your parents to define your identity? Are you allowing TV or movies to define your identity? Here's what Philippians 2 says. We use this verse all the time. Great verse. I love it in the Phillips translation. Don't let the world around you squeeze you into its mold because that's what it's trying to do. It says, let God remold your minds from within. That literally changed the way you think. That's what it says. God, because you can change the way you think, God can remold you from within. It's so funny because forever... In in medicine, what they believed was as you grew, your brain developed. When you got to a certain point, it was set, and things didn't change after that. And it's only been in the last couple decades that they realized you can rewire your brain. It's not set. You're not like, this is the way I'm going to be forever. It is because you choose that. You can rewire that. They know that now. Could have saved them a lot of time had they read the Bible. Then they would have known it for the last two thousand years. You can rewire it. Let God remold you, your minds from within. He says, so that you may prove in practice that the plan of God for you is good. We can change that. Who are you letting define your identity? This not on your outline, but up on the screen. It says this. I like how it says this in Exodus twenty-three. Don't follow the crowd in doing wrong. Everybody's doing it. Everybody might be wrong. I don't know about you, but my mom always said to me, if everybody jumped off a cliff, would you? She didn't know that we were going down to the lake and jumping off the cliff into the, the <laughs> Lake Erie. But Don't follow the crowd in doing wrong. In 1 Thessalonians 2, 4, it says this, our purpose, those who follow Jesus, our purpose is to please God, not people. For some of you, that's all you needed to hear today. Our purpose is not to please people, it's to please God. He is the one who examines the motives of our hearts. Here's what Jesus said about his disciples. I think this is on the screen, but I don't think it's in your notes. In John 17, it says this in verse 16. They, his disciples, are no more defined by the world than I am defined by the world. That's what Jesus said. See, when you know who you are, you can stop relying on other people's approval. That won't be what drives you. So your first life-shaping choice would be, I resolve to no more be defined by anyone except God. That's what I'm going to do. You see, there is so much stress that people have from this unresolved issue. So, so many issues um, uh, mentally and physically from stressing out over this. The truth is, you can trust God. One of my favorite verses, Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. See, the truth is, many people have plans for you. But here's God's plans for you. They are plans for your good. Plans to prosper you and not harm you. They are plans to give you a hope and a future. You see, everybody has plans for you, but these are not their plans for you. These are God's plans for you. And this is, this is success. That's real success when you are who God made you to be. That's real success. So that's your first life-shaping choice. The second life-shaping choice, if you're, making, if you're taking notes here, in order to get the future you want, choose short-term pain for long-term gain. You might not like this right away. Stick with me on this. Choose short-term pain for long-term gain. Here's, here's what I know. Most of our problems, most of mine, most of yours, come from an inability to delay gratification. We want it now. Whether it's financial issues, whether it's health issues, you know, we know what will be good here, but we're choosing this now because it's, it's, it's now. It's what we want. You know, that can be relational. It can even be in your spiritual walk. We're, we, we can't get past this inability to delay gratification. We want everything now. We want it free. We want it easy. That's short term. Sometimes the right thing is the hard thing to do. We, we say it around here like this. Take the hard right instead of the easy wrong. See, here's what Moses did in verse 25. Moses chose, was a choice. He chose to be mistreated along with the people of God. And that just didn't mean, oh, they're going to call him names, you know. It meant he was potential for hard slave labor for the rest of your short, miserable life as they continue to make your work harder and, and, and give you lust to do it with and you're just a slave he chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a short time this isn't on your notes but you might want to write this down some of you is very important sin is fun <laughs> I probably didn't have to tell you that But here's the thing, it doesn't last. Every one of you in here has examples of that in your life. You made the choice and it was fun, but it had consequences and it didn't last. See, Moses, we see first God choosing Moses, but then we see Moses had to make some choices and here's what he did. The first thing he did is refuse in verse 24 and now in verse 25 he's choosing So there's the negative, and then there's the positive. He refused this so that he could choose this. So here's my question to you. Where do you need to accept responsibility? Where do you need to do some refusing and some choosing in your life? Here's five important facts. The first one is this. You are as close to God as you choose to be. So if you're not as close to God as you want to be or you know you should be, it ain't God's fault. He is always there with open arms. It's your choice. And you are as close to God as you choose to be. The second fact is you can't live off others' spiritual commitment. You can't live off your parents' spiritual commitment or your spouse's spiritual commitment. You can't even live off your kids' spiritual commitment. You can't do that. The third fact is you can't blame other people for the direction of your life. We talked about this in the whole last series. If you didn't get it, go listen to it. Not right now, afterwards. (laughs) People can hurt you. People can harm you. People can scar you. We get that. But no one can ruin your life. No one can do that. Okay? Remember, you are a product of your past, but you don't have to be a prisoner to your past. So you can't blame others for that direction the fourth fact is this you are free to choose but you're not free from the consequences you see we want to make the choices for that immediate thing because it's good and it solves the problem and it's fun or whatever but there's always consequences and when we choose something that's not what God has for us there are always negative consequences So yeah, you're free to choose, but you're not free from the consequences. Here's the fifth fact that you need to understand today. You will have pain in your life. I'm sorry to be the one to say that, but I didn't need to tell you that. But here's the thing. You will have pain in your life either now or later. If you take it easy now, life will be harder later. Some of you are experiencing that today. You made the wrong choices back here. And life was easier for a short time. But now it's harder. That's true with all habits. When we have good habits, habits take work. Habits are harder. Habits take time. But when we have good habits, they make life better later. I could think of a bunch of examples. The only one that comes to my mind is just a very simple one. This takes time. And you have to develop this habit, but it's a good habit. You should brush your teeth. Okay? Some of you should... No. You should brush your teeth. Here's the thing. You got to do that now. It's a habit. It takes time. Okay? You can choose not to do that. Later will not be as good for you. That's how it works. That's how it works with all of this. Whenever you put in the hard effort now, it's easier later. That's how it works. See, in this pain thing, God makes two promises about pain. These are just, this is the way it is. The first one is God will use it to help me grow. He'll use it to help me grow. In Romans 5, it says this We can have joy in our troubles because we know that these troubles produce patience. The patience produces character, the character produces hope. We all want hope. Where does hope start? Troubles, pain, that's where it starts. And we can let God use that to help us grow and we can come out of it with hope because of that. The second promise that God makes about pain, God God will reward me in heaven. One of my favorite stories about this, I think I I read it in the the Bible in one year, as an example in one of the things, but it's from England. There was a one-year-old boy, baby, one-year-old boy, shattered his back falling down a flight of stairs. He spent his childhood and youth in and out of hospitals, more in than out. Gavin Reed over in England, a British church leader, met him, interviewed him in church. And one of the things the boy said that stuck out to him was, God is fair. And Gavin stops, and it's like, what? He asked the kid, how old are you? 17, the boy replied. How many years have you spent in the hospital? The boy said, 13 years. And Gavin said, do you think that is fair? And the boy said, God's got all of eternity to make it up to me. God will reward us in heaven. Here's what Paul said in 2 Corinthians 4. These present troubles are quite small and won't last long. I'm going to stop there before I go on. If you're taking notes, write down on your outline there. Write 2 Corinthians, you can just say C-O-R, period, 2 Corinthians, 11, 23-28. to 28. I want you to go read those verses this afternoon and find out what's he talking about when he says these present troubles because he makes it sound like these present troubles are small. They won't last long. You need to read what he was going through when he wrote this and the things that he experienced, most of which none of us will ever experience. And yet he says they're just small, won't last long. Yet they produce for us an immeasurably great glory that will last forever. Forever. You see, the stuff we're going through, as bad as it seems, is really small in light of eternity. And we have all of eternity to celebrate. It's not about having a few short moments here good. It's about having all of eternity to celebrate. This is not on the screen, but here's the next verse. Here's how he does this in verse 18. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen. Because if you're going through crap right now, what is seen is not very good. So if you fix your eyes there, you're going nowhere. He said, we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. So those are the first two life-shaping choices. Here's the third one, if you're taking notes. To get the future you want, choose what God values not what culture does. You choose what God values, not what culture does. Here's what it says about Moses in verse 26. Moses regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as of greater value than the treasures of Egypt because he was looking ahead to his reward. When it says he regarded, that's the verb here, it means he evaluated it, he weighed it, he carefully considered it, he appraised it. What Moses does here is he makes a value judgment. And he said, I'm going to clarify what matters most. And really, whether we know it or not, that's what we're doing. And when we're living for today, we're saying that's what matters most. And Moses said, here's what matters most. So here's my question for you. What matters most in your life? (coughs) Maybe you haven't even thought about it. Can you list the top three values in your life? And you say, hmm, never really thought about it. Here's the thing, if you haven't identified them, you certainly can't live by them. Do you know what they are? But the, the greater truth is if you don't decide what matters most, others will. And that's what you'll struggle with. If you don't decide what matters most and live by that, others will. So, what does what, what everybody else consider important? What does our culture value? What does this world value? Three things. The first is the popularity, you know, the prestige, the power. That's what it says in verse 24 of, of, of our passage. It's the pride of life. It's, I want to be a celebrity, I want to be famous. That's what the world values. That's what our culture values. The second thing is pleasure. You know, I want to feel good. I want it to be about me and I want it to feel good. That's what verse 25 talks about, the pleasures of sin for a season. The third thing is we have the popularity, prestige, and power, the pleasure. The third thing is possessions. And that's not just I want to feel good, it's I want to have all the goods. I like this stuff. This is good. That's verse 26. That's the the treasures of Egypt. That's what the world values. That's what everything around you values. And it's ironic, by these standards, Moses had it made. He had all of that. And he walked away from it. You know why he walked away from it? He knew it didn't last. 1 John 2.17, The world and everything in it that people desire is passing away. Good example of that. I am not opposed to people getting new cars. If people didn't get new cars, I wouldn't be able to buy used cars. So I'm perfectly okay with people getting new cars. But here's what's so funny. So many people get their new car and it's like, oh, finally we've arrived, we have a new car, and you go to Walmart and the first day that you're there somebody opens the door and dings the side of your car. Or... Three years in to your, you know, 26-year loan or whatever they are now. Three years in, you notice there's rust all over the fender well. It's like, I haven't even paid for it yet, and it's rusting. See, that's what happens to everything. The world, it says, and everything in it that people desire, it's passing away. When you put all of your hope and treasure there, you're going to be disappointed, he says. But those who do the will of God... They live forever. We live by a different standard than the values of the world. So the wise way is to live by choosing God's values. What are God's values? And we can see them in Moses' choices. The, the, the popularity, prestige, power thing, God's purpose is more important than popularity. That's what it says. As Pharaoh's grandson... Moses was heir to the throne. He was a celebrity. But here's what he knew. Fame doesn't last. No, If Moses had decided, I'm staying here in the palace because this is really nice. I got a good setup. He would have lived out his days and nobody would ever know who he is. We would never remember him. Even though he was popular then, that doesn't last. God's purpose is more important than popularity. The second thing is people are more important than pleasure. The world values the pleasure, but people are more important than pleasure. Moses traded this royal lifestyle in order to help needy slaves, in order to help people that complained all the time, in order to help people that it was never enough. He traded all that in order to help people. Here's what you need to understand if you're going to be a part of Journey North Church to reach our community. And beyond that 's going to require sacrifice it 's not going to be about our pleasure and our comfort last year when when we were out at the the purpose driven church conference at Saddleback, I told you they kind of surprised us a little bit and we got this I showed you this a week or two ago got this plaque thing that has five spaces on it. We got the first one and um, I I was gonna say I have to. I got to go up on stage to get it, and it's like it's I, I'm doing this for you guys, because it's your award. I'm sorry you couldn't come up there. It was really sweet, but going in going in the back door, I'm like I'm in this line of people, and it's like I'm going in the back door. <laughs> And I walk in, and it's, you walk in, and there's this shelf thing, and this, it's got the, the, the headsets like our security guys have and everything. It's, it's like normal until you walk in and look up, and there's this great big, I have a picture of it I'll show you, not right now, but I'll show you sometime. Great big picture, and it's the first line from The Purpose-Driven Life. Giant bold letters that says, It's not about you. See, that's where we live too often. It's about us. People are more important than pleasure. So to reach the people God is calling us to reach, it's going to involve sacrifice. If you want to choose a nice cushy life and a nice cushy church and come and have your ears tickled and have everything be sweet, you know, you're at the wrong place. <laughs> because we're here on a mission. To help reach people for Jesus so that we can grow together. So that we can together choose the right future. That involves sacrifice just like it did for Moses. Because people are more important than pleasure. The third thing about um, this what God values. Peace of mind is more valuable than possessions. Peace of mind. You can't buy peace of mind. You can buy the new car and think you're buying peace of mind until somebody bangs it and it rusts or something goofy happens like that. You can't buy peace of mind. That comes from doing God's will. That's the only way to get it. See, it's interesting here because what really happened is Moses gave up what we spend our lives trying to get. He gave it up. The world's pleasure, treasure, and measure of success, he gave that up. Why? It tells us. He was looking ahead to his reward. See, if you know Jesus, when that time comes when you say goodbye to this earthly existence and you stand before Jesus, you know who's going to be there? Somewhere. I don't know where, but he'll be there somewhere. Moses. You'll get to talk to him. And you know what? I guarantee, I guarantee when you stand up there and you're talking to Moses, that I guarantee he will not say, gee, we should have stayed in the palace. It was so much nicer there. <laughs> For thousands of years, he's been enjoying God's reward. That's what he looked forward to. That's what enabled him to make the choice that might have caused some pain now. See, here's the thing. He could see that. Vision sets values. Vision sets sets values what you keep your eyes on will be what you value if you keep your eyes on him if you keep your eyes on heaven if you keep your eyes on eternity that's what you'll value that's the choices that you'll make here's the fourth life-shaping choice if you're taking notes choose to live by faith not by fear choose to live by faith not by fear I just have a feeling there's way too many people in here. You're living your life guided by fear. It says in Hebrews eleven twenty-seven, by faith. That's how this all happened. Moses didn't know. It was by faith. He left Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. The fear is not what drove him. The faith was. He persevered, and here's how and why. Because he saw him who is invisible. That doesn't make sense. He's invisible. How could you see him? That's where he focused his attention. That's where he focused his vision. That's where he focused looking at. He saw that. See, Moses had every reason to be afraid, far more than us. He was going up against Pharaoh. Of that day, Pharaoh was literally the most powerful man on the planet, he was considered a god. Anything he said, he could command you to do anything and you had to do it. That's who Moses went up against. And you know what Moses said? I respond to a higher authority. How do you think that went over? (laughs) But here's the key. Who you put your faith in makes the difference. You put your faith in a God who loves you and has this. In fact, the same God that delivered Moses and the children of Israel. You put your faith in God, that makes all the difference. You put your faith in this world, this culture, and this system that we have here, and your future is not going to be what you want it to be. It's who you put your faith in that makes a difference. Galatians 2 says this, verse 16, No one can please God by simply obeying the law. It's not about the rules and regulations and the ritual and just doing the right thing. You can't please God by doing that. It says, so we put our faith in Jesus Christ And God accepted us because of our faith. Not because of what we did. Not because we had such an amazing past. Most of us have all screwed up in our past. But when we put our faith in Him, it says God accepts us because of our faith. We put our faith in Jesus Christ. Jesus is His name. Christ is His title. He is the Messiah. The anointed one. The one God sent to pay for our sin. And when we put our faith in Him... God accepts us. Have you done that? Hundreds here have. And they've been able to experience the the power that comes with that, to be able to make the right choices. It says, He persevered. Moses persevered because he saw him who was invisible. That's living in the light of eternity. When I, when I live in the light of eternity, when you live in the light of eternity, that's the only, the only antidote to keep you on track. Otherwise, we get swayed by all the things we see and hear and feel around here. So my job as pastor is to keep you in focus, to keep you looking at the right thing. Because when you look at the right thing, that vision will set your values. You'll make the right choices in the future that you want the future that God has for you, that future with that amazing purpose that he has for you will be something that you'll be able to realize. I'd like to ask you to bow your heads. We're going to pray in just a second. What I want is I want you to be able to make these four life-shaping choices in your life. They're like, they're like resolutions that you will make these, that you will be able to keep these because it will help define your life. So I'm going to pray, and if this is what's in your heart, I just want you to pray along with me. Silently, God hears your heart. You don't say this out loud. He'll hear your heart if this is where your heart is. Just, dear God, I don't want to drift through life, the rest of my life. I want to move with direction and purpose. So today, like Moses, I want to commit to these four life-shaping resolutions. So first, God, with your help, I resolve to not let other people define me. I want to be what you made me to be. Second, I resolve to choose short-term pain in order to have long-term gain. Third, I resolve for the rest of my life to live by your values, not the world's values which won't last. And finally, I resolve to live the rest of my life as best I know how by faith and not by fear. Father, I realize that it's only by your grace and power that I can keep these resolutions, that I can make these choices. So Jesus Christ, I put my total faith in you, starting today. I ask you to save me, to empower me, to guide me. I'm going to stop making excuses. I'm going to get with other believers where I can receive support. And I pray this in faith. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to ask you to stand as we sing our closing song. What a great way to close this service. You can choose your future. In four weeks, four weeks, we're going to see miracles happen here. In four weeks, it's Easter. Now, every Sunday is a good Sunday to invite people to Journey our Church. Yes. Easter is one of those two times during the year when people who are likely to say no when you ask them are more likely to say yes. yes. I'm not going to give you the times right now because I don't want to confuse you. We, our services are 9 and 10.30. You're at the 10.30 service, just in case you wondered. (laughs) On Easter, we have three. We changed the time. But we have the smartest church in town, and so it's not a problem. You have three opportunities on Easter when God lays somebody on your heart to say, you know what, would you like to go to church with me on Easter? And have them learn about the most important choice that they could ever make. Last year, 29 people chose Jesus as their Savior. We, we packed this three times and we're going to blow that out of the water this year because God has great things planned. We are the ones who have to make the choices. So I'm asking you to make the right choices and we are going to see great things happen here. Let's close in prayer. Father, thank you so much for your love for us that as we just sang about, love that, was, that had action to it. That you sent Jesus, that he, he bore our sins on the cross, that by placing our faith and trust in him, we could choose Jesus, that we could have our sins forgiven, we could have our past forgiven, we could experience what it is to have meaning and purpose in life today, and we know that we have that by choice. We've learned those choices today, Father. My prayer is that we would make those choices that maybe everybody in here gets together with somebody else this week and just opens the bulletin up and goes through those notes and talks about those choices and reinforces that in her life, knowing that I, this is what I want for a future because we know you have great plans for us. But we know that we have to choose. Father, thank you for what you've done, for what you're doing, and for what you are going to do. We love you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you.